Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour History. I'm your host, Professor Natalie Harpin. And today I wanted to talk about something that is going on actually in Canada. (laughs) And the reason I thought it would be interesting to talk about is because it may also affect the United States. So there has been opposition to natural health products and there is a push from some in the Canadian government to have higher or tighter regulations on natural health products. And so for a lot of people who are analyzing it, they're saying, well, that will do, you know, potentially a few things. It may make the cost of these natural products more expensive now that the manufacturers have to pay potentially more money. And I guess that can vary. They're saying that it could vary based on the size of their business, but it could be you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month, or maybe as low as 560, I think it's a dollars a month for smaller businesses. But because they have to take on those costs, the idea is that they would also likely raise the cost of their natural products. And the reason why this is being proposed is because there are some people who are saying that there's not enough regulations on these natural products, and that there are not the same types of assurances about allergy information or allergen information, um, things that are in the medicine itself. And so you have a lot of people who may be operating small businesses or who utilize plant medicine, who manufacture it themselves, etc. And now they wouldn't be able to, you know, sell their products. And if they did, if they continue to, they'll have to pay a higher fee. And I wanted to talk about that because even in the United States, there has been throughout history periods where people were believed to be doing, um, you know, witchcraft if they practice natural medicine or what we now consider like Eastern or indigenous medicine. So medicinal practices that are more um, prevalent historically in like within the African continent, within the Asian continent, within the indigenous Americas, that those were seen as backwards or, um, you know, satanic or devil worship, things like that. And that it wasn't really helping people. And we know that that couldn't be further from the truth. And the people who oppose this in Canada are saying, hey, you know, there are a lot of people who rely on natural medicine, and now it may be more inaccessible to them because of these regulations. And some people may have to just close their businesses up. But what that also means is that the United States may also see an increase in products that are sold here for people who can purchase them and have them shipped to Canada. Um, Sometimes when I buy, some of you know that I do sewing, you know, as like a hobby. And sometimes I buy, you know, sewing supplies from Canada. And so most of us can, you know, purchase things. I mean, most of us within this country can purchase things from Canada if we wanted to, or even from other nations as well, because of how, you know, globalization works and about a lot of the interconnected mail networks. And so that would mean that the demand goes up so that there may be less of these natural products in the U.S. available to us, or that the price of them will also increase because now there are more people who are demanding it. And so within the United States context, there is a history of indigenous, black, especially indigenous and black groups um, being, you know, demonized or not able to participate in medicine or what is seen as, you know, effective medicine or unsanitary medicine. And 
that goes back a long time. So even in the colonial Spanish Americas, right? So what we now know as Latin America today, you know, they didn't allow black or indigenous people to be enrolled in medical schools, right? Because those things were racially restricted from them. We also see how a lot of people who did practice this type of medicine, like I said, it would be just written off as, you know, some sort of devil worshiper, satanic practice. And it's interesting how, you know, a lot of people have come to rely on natural health and natural remedies, especially during the pandemic. And I think a lot of people already did, but I think that it expanded even more so. It came into more people's consciousness during the pandemic because a lot of people had opposition to the vaccine at first. And a lot of people, you know, were dealing with trying to remedy their, even their flu symptoms without having access to stores because, you know, they were closed for a while. Or I remember for a long time on the shelves, like people were, you know, buying up all the cold and flu medicine or were buying up all of the allergy medicine. And so people had to turn toward natural remedies, even if it was something as simple as using peppermint oil, right? Or using certain types of tea to help relieve pain because they could no longer get, um, you know, the, I remember I was trying to find Excedrin migraine, right? No inline ads, I know, sorry, but I was trying to find some Excedrin migraine during the pandemic and they were all out on the shelves. And so I had to find another way to help remedy it. And I ended up buying like these, um, they're called Equate, but it's like the Walmart brand, like the, the little nasal sticks. And so I would smell that and it would help relieve like the pressure in my head. So like that's, you know, an example of using something alternative to medicine. And we know that people in the past in this country have been killed for practicing alternative medicine, quote unquote. But like I said, because it could be labeled as witchcraft at certain times in American history. So I know you may be thinking like the Salem witch trials, like the 1600s, or like we've talked about, like the lynching of predominantly Mexican-Americans in the Southwest from 1848 to 1925, if they were accused of witchcraft or which some of that would have been considered what we now call like plant medicine, they could be killed for that. So a lot of people had to go underground. And, you know, there are a lot of us who've had to turn toward our own sort of communities, especially in the last three years. So what I mean by that is, you know, sourcing people who we know directly or we know through friends who can do other things, right? Who have other skills. So I have a friend named Chelsea and she has a business called Black South Apothecary and she makes teas and, you know, does a lot of wonderful stuff for pain relief and she makes it all herself. And so she goes out and she would make make videos of herself, like going into um, a space where she was growing things or like a, a wild space that, you know, a certain type of flower was going and she would like forage and take some of them and then she would turn it into medicine. And so it was great during the pandemic when I was having some, especially when I was having, um, cramps and some pains and I would reach out to her cause you know, we're friends anyway. So we would talk a lot during the pandemic and she would say, Hey, I'm going to send you this tea. I want you to try it out. And it would help. And it was great because, you know, that was using plant medicine, But if these things do become more inaccessible, you have a lot of people who may also, in this case in Canada, but you never know how it affects the market in the United States also, they may have to turn to more um, Western medicine. So maybe more, it may mean that more people are going to be inundating the already strained medical systems that they have in Canada. And the same thing could happen here. 
if there is less product available for U.S. citizens to buy within the U.S. because people from, you know, around the world or in this case in Canada are buying more of it to stock up for whatever reason, then that could mean that there are less Americans who have access to it. And so then maybe they have to go to the traditional doctor for pain relief as opposed to being able to purchase a product that they did. Or especially because we're dealing with inflation, very high inflation, you may have a situation where somebody could reasonably afford some of this plant medicine on their salary and or you know their hourly wage with their discretionary income and now they can't do that anymore and so that would affect their accessibility to this medicine that they you know rely on and have been consistently able to depend on and now it's being taken away from them and so Canada has had different times where they were proposing label change legislation and have been dealing with their population for a while about this. And they've said that there's no intention to restrict or ban natural products. So they're saying there's, you know, they're trying to mitigate the panic because of course, when people hear, and of course this is how I initially saw it, right? It was being marketed on social media as, oh, there's gonna be this new ban on products. So you gotta stock up while you can. And that made me wanna look deeper into it and you know read about what was going on. But for a lot of people, they're gonna be panic buying. So I think that they're trying to mitigate the panic buying of products in Canada. And then of course, that would spill over into panic buying that was happening in the you know US market for those same products. A lot of these companies do sell their products on both sides of the border. So they you know do sell them to both places, but of course the cost may be a little bit different and you know, shipping costs. And potentially import fees could be a part of that. Now, the Auditor General um, is saying that in 2021, there was a study that they took a random sample of natural health products in Canada and found that 88% of them used false or misleading advertising. And so the purpose of this is to make sure that the dosing of the products is correct and that there's more compliance, better structure, better inspections and education about the products to make sure that nobody will be harmed using them. But about 70% of Canadians in some way use a natural health product to some degree. And there's about 200,000 natural health products on the market in Canada. And so, of course, they're saying that they want people to be able to trust those products. But like I mentioned before, you know, there are, of course, people who believe that this is just a way to create more barriers to access, more oversight, and to, you know, create a regulatory board and charge these people more money to have their products available to the public. You know, thinking back in American history with things like the Food and Drug Administration and, you know, the history of the meatpacking industry in the United States, there was a time when there was absolutely no regulation and it did cause a lot more public health issues because of that. And even in, you know, even today, you know, it's, it's never a hundred percent. So we still have outbreaks of foodborne illness, um, passed from animals or plants or cross contamination, even in restaurants that happens a lot. Um, we just don't really hear about it as much, but it is important to make sure that there are regulatory systems in place. I think it'll be interesting in Canada to see how they go about finding that line between trying to make sure that people have access to information. Because if, you know, 70%, I'd want to know if 70% of people in Canada are using a natural health product, how many of those people have reported any issues taking those products or Um, having any negative reaction or adverse reaction because of the labeling, right? So, you know, if 88, if 88 of the items were not 
correct, did it have like a negative effect on people? That's what I would want to know. So finding that line between making sure that people are advertising and informing people about what their product does and what not to mix with it is important. And also making sure that there is a system in place to keep these companies honest and a, you know, a rectification if something is mislabeled and somebody is harmed in that process. I think the next step is going to honestly be people realizing that you can't just buy natural products off the shelf. You do generally need to talk to somebody or you need to do research on what that product does and any other drug or natural supplement in interactions that it may you, know, you may need to watch out for. So like having my friend Chelsea, like I was saying, because we do talk about a lot of these things and she explains things in detail, like she will put those things on her label. She will talk to people about it who buy her products. But I think a lot of people just buy things and they're not necessarily looking into, okay, what does this say is in it? If, you know, it, if it does, and, you know, hopefully ideally in these situations, it does say what's on it. But I understand that I'm coming from a place of do having, you know, having access to things that do have the correct labels on it from my friend, looking into what the items are and asking questions of a natural, you know, health coach in some way. I don't really know how else to say that, but somebody who does understand plant medicine or natural medicine so that you can watch out for those things, watch out for those interactions, not have adverse reactions. But I always advocate for talking to your natural health practitioner about other medicines that you're on, whether they be pharmaceutical or other natural things. If you do have to go to the traditional doctor, I always you know, like to make sure that I tell them what natural supplements I'm taking. So I'll tell them if I'm you know, okay, I'm, you know, I'm taking my CMOS so that they know, right, it's on my record. So that way, if something happens, like I've told them, right, that I'm taking the CMOS and that they know what's in the CMOS. Or if you're taking like lemon balm, like they would need to know things like that, because it may interact with medicine that they do give you, especially when you're dealing with those gaps, where you may not have access to plant medicine, or you may need to, you know, to take something else, because um, maybe you haven't found a more natural remedy yet. So I just wanted to talk about that. Um, it was related to Canada. I will add a link to the story I had read in the description box of this podcast. I know this one was very short today, but it's, I guess it's about to be daylight savings. It happens on November 5th, so which is my wedding anniversary. <laughs> so it's crazy. Like It always happens right around my anniversary. But um, I hope you all have a great rest of your day or evening, and I'll see you in the next episode, y'all. Bye.